On this episode of Resi Week, Claire Controls has a brand spanking new controller. We talk about that and the modularization of control systems. And Slysoft has killed any DVD software. What that means for home theaters. All that and more next on Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AP Nation. This is Resi Week, Episode 6, recorded Monday, March 7th, 2016. The Masked Bandit. Resi Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Draper. This is Resi Week, the weekly look at the residential segment of the AV industry. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us, the uh, Madam of covering all things AV. Her name is Julie Jacobson from CE Pro. How are you, ma'am? Hello. Last time I saw you, you were in beautiful Amsterdam. It's a good show. So she was at ISC along with us. Uh, also was with us another guy I saw in Amsterdam, Paul Williams from Control 4. Welcome, sir. Thanks, Tim. Pleasure to be here. Uh, and last but not least, my buddy and pal and brother, Mr. Richard Fragoza from Fragoza Designs. Hello, sir. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, mellow, damp West Coast greetings. We actually have rain for once. So. Wow. Yeah, but in honor of that, right, you know what? It might as well have a Monday no pants. Uh, oh, geez, thank uh, you for that. Don't stand up. Don't stand <laughs> Good <laughs> Lord. Don't stand up, Rich. Let's just not do that. Uh, all right. I think this is the third week in a row we're going to cover this story. And I, unless one of you three have something groundbreaking, we're just going to mention this. Uh, until Han Hai slash... Um, uh, Foxconn signs the paper, then we can talk about exactly what's going on. But according to the Japan Times, quote unquote, Han Hai may very well ink the sharp deal on Monday. Now, understand that Japan is a few hours ahead of us and they still haven't done so yet. Uh, they ran into a couple of issues, something like, I don't know, $3 billion in debt that Sharp suddenly had or that Han Hai suddenly found. I don't know. Um, but uh, apparently, according to the, 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 these sources and, and some other ones like Wall Street Journal and, and, and others, they're going to go ahead and go with the steel. They're, they've upped the uh, Foxconn has upped the the ante to about six billion dollars and some change for the Sharp Group. Um, again, if it happens before the end of this show, we'll have folks comment on it. Otherwise, we're still waiting for for Foxconn and and all the wonderful people to. To come together as, as one. So, all right. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had on uh, Delia Hansen from from Claire Controls, and the first actual story we're going to have comment on here is an interesting thing they've done. It's it's called the Click Mini, and uh, according to both them and and also the, the story out of, of Residential Systems, uh, this is their new controller, right? This is their new their base model, uh, which is interesting because of the price point. Um, it's also interesting because it's modular, right? Um, Mr. Fergoza, we're going to kick it off with you here. Uh, you live and breathe inside the residential systems. Uh, is this something that makes a whole lot of sense, either from the price point or also from the, the modularity, except that's a word, uh, of the system? Yeah, I, I think it's a natural, you know, it's a natural evolution of where we are going with systems. Um, and, and you're going to always wind up taking two approaches. You're either going to go with a centralized approach, which has its um, pros and cons and a decentralized approach. And I think what we're seeing more and more, um, especially trying to get into the market, 
uh, at different price points. And, and I mean, it's an IoT world. It's, it's just that simple. And so this device that's coming out is another example from a established um, AV company coming in and saying, you know, we, we, we have to follow this process. We have to find ways to make it more affordable, more accessible, give you just some of the features you want. It's it's almost like the um, the freemium feature you get with apps at times. Yeah. You know, you can get X for this amount, and if you want more, then you can graduate to the next part. And, and, and I mean, take a look at what all the manufacturers are doing right now. I mean, it, Claire isn't the only one. I mean, there's all of the major automation manufacturers have to do it, I, I think. If they're not doing it, um, it's a fast way, and, I, you know, I mean, I said it more and more times than, than before. It, it's really... Possibly, you know, they could be a Kickstarter away from that industry being completely overwhelmed. Um, and so I think it's smart. And I think that they are targeting also, um, you know, younger, uh, a younger demographic. I mean, what was it they were looking at the other day in terms of millennials? The amount of them that are actually considering home ownership is just plummeting drastically. Mm -hmm. So they do need something that for somebody who may be in more of a transitive state, that they aren't going to be building a. 4,000, 5,000 square foot house, or even a 2,500 square foot townhouse. You know, these are the guys that might be in the, and gals, who might be in a, you know, a thousand square foot uh, condominium. And they want some of the creature comforts of it, but they don't necessarily want the expect, the expense or the expense of it. So I think it's a smart move. Um, you know, I think we're going to see more and more of it as time passes. All right, Julie, uh, I'll take the other side of this. Do, the, do they, Rich said they have to do it. Companies like this have to do it. Do they have to do it? Well, Claire is a really interesting company, and I, uh, Delia is very forward-thinking. When she was in Crestron, uh, we had talked about some of these new uh, products and services that they're now launching at Claire. Um, she's she's a clever cookie, and they're doing some cool things. Um, the uh, uh, Claire has always taken a modular approach to its home control systems. They have a very cool industrial design where you have stacking modules and uh, the bus just runs right through them. You just literally stack them on top of each other. Um, they, my understanding from talking to Delia a couple days ago is that this piece will eliminate, uh, they've, they've had three versions of their Click product. I think this one eliminates one of them and allows for some modularity. And I think the retail price is something like 400 bucks, or is, is that something? $399, $399, $399. yeah, $400. And, you know, it, it's some of the things Claire is doing on the back end, I'm sure I've talked about this uh, in the past, is that they're really building into their technology the ability for consumers to do a lot of the work for themselves. And even though they're using Z-Wave, which can be complicated, they're trying to get integrators and consumers themselves to use Claire's own Z-Wave products because they really are purpose-built for Claire's own applications. You can get richer data from their Z-Wave devices than you can from third-party devices. And so consumers themselves can add these devices to their own networks and the interesting thing is even if the consumer buys directly from clairecontrols.com, the dealer still gets credit for those sales. So, you know, despite their prices, despite their hardware, 
despite their functionality, they're doing some really interesting things on the back end from a business perspective. Yeah. Uh, Paul, we'll bring you this on the uh, in on this. Um, not not going to ask you about Claire specifically because they, they are a competitor of, of Control Board. Um, but talk a little bit a little bit more about Richard's point about we live in an IoT world, right? Um, is this something that, as control manufacturers in general, that you guys have to concern yourself with? Absolutely. I think that what we've seen in the last couple of years is this uh, proliferation of all these devices that are coming into the environment. And people want a simple way for, to be able to control them. And so if you start there with all of these devices that are, that are coming on the market, I can have an app literally for everything in my house. It would have its own separate app. And that's become very confusing. And it's not, it's not ideal, and it's certainly not, not, uh, not technology at that end of the day. It becomes very complex and hard for people to work with that. And so we as manufacturers have had to pay attention to it. We're looking at what's happening out there. We're taking the good technologies. There's, there's quite honestly some stuff out there you look at, and it's IoT, and you go, what in the heck would I need that for? What is its purpose in life? Uh, but there are some really cool things that we saw, especially at CES, um, lots of great technologies that are coming out there. We certainly want to embrace those. So manufacturers, um, much like Claire, and we've done the same thing as well, uh, we're looking at those to be able to put them into a world where it makes the consumer in charge of those devices, not the other way around. And so that that becomes simple for the homeowner to be able to interact with those pieces. And not only only interact with those pieces, but have them use each other. So using a motion sensor from uh, company A uh, combined with a lighting product from company B and have some infrastructure that puts those things together so they work in, in uh, concert with each other based on motion sensing or time of day and other things. Yeah. It's really powerful, and we're certainly paying attention to that as well. Right, very good. I think if I can um, yeah. follow up with this, the, uh, the interesting question here is something that manufacturers grapple with all the time, and something I just posted today about this crazy company called Mixity or something like that. And they've got this modular solution where you start with a, a 360 degree speaker that looks like Amazon Echo and you add modules on top of those. And I saw that. Is that the one that has the crazy lighting LEDs inside? And with the olfactory. Yes. I met with those guys. I met with those guys at Cedia. You know, I, I made fun of them. Um, in my home automation uh, CES presentation um, because, I mean, this thing stacks up tall. Yeah. I even have a picture of one of them with my cell phone, and it's, it's big. Um, but the, the modularity, I think, is a really interesting concept, and it's, it's not necessarily new. But manufacturers like Paul um, at Control 4 grapple with, well, do you go ahead and just put everything in a compact little box and charge $100, or do you start with a $50 box and add $50 at a time to increase functionality? And it's, a, it's an interesting concept. Which one will keep the consumers engaged? Which one will consumers buy? And my hunch is that they're likely to start out with a $50 device that does one thing and add modules, literally or figuratively, hardware or software, on top of those. Well, actually, Paul, I'll put it to you, and then, and then I'll ask, you know, I'll, I'll give a little bit answer to, to Julie, but you go first. Yeah, I think the modular approach, approach is uh, interesting. 
Um, there is there certainly be said of you know I make an investment in a product and it, I'm only using one function in it. Yet I've outlaid a, an, an extreme amount of money for this thing, and there's you know 90 other functions that it has that I didn't, I never needed in the first place. So I'm burdening the cost with those other 90 functions. Um, but there's also some some economies of scale that you get as a manufacturer out of uh, you know building all these little devices there. I can also create a lot of market confusion, which is I I now have this Chinese menu of things that I can buy in order for me to automate different solutions in my house. And there's there's a balance in there of you know how much do you add into that base product, and and most of us in the industry call those controllers or uh, platform pieces. How much do I add in that base product and then let the rest of it be modular on top of that? And it's something that we continue to balance out quite a bit. Um, once again, you can over you can over skew an SKU the uh, environment by having too many out there. And as a consumer, or as a dealer, I'm looking at it going I don't I don't even know anymore. I don't know what pieces I need to make this thing work. Um, and I think that's one side of the spectrum, and the other side of the spectrum is I've got this box that does everything that it can possibly do, but it also costs like $4,000. And and somewhere in between there, I think, is a happy medium, and we're still struggling with that, something that we continue to look at all the time, uh, giving as much value as we can in the box, but at the same time lowering that cost, much like Claire has. And we've come up with some very, uh, I think, attractive pricing in, in recent months uh, for what we're doing there in the same time frame. So. Let me let me give you my, my two cents on that. So you take a look at, at kind of what, what a lot of people talk about as being modular, and that is the, the connectivity, right? That's the, the Those are the modular pieces that we want to add on. Oh, I have a DVD player that doesn't do this, and I want to do an IR, I have 232, or what have you. Um, what I'm seeing is is guys like, like Control4 and, and, and others are saying, okay, here's a base model. It has an RJ45. It has network. It might have an one IR and one two thirty two, maybe. Then, if you need to do more, if you have almost at this point legacy products that have you know bidirectional two thirty two, or you need to do IR, great. If not, that little RJ forty five is going to get you the majority of what the smart homes are having right now. Right? You want to talk to a Nest? You're not hooking it up through IR. You're not doing a relay. You're talking to it over the network. You want to do a smart TV. You're talking to it over the network. You want to do a, a smart, you know, head-end unit. You're talking to that thing over the network. So a lot of these modular pieces, to Julie's point, is probably going to end up being, you know, more software-driven than the individual, you know, let's stack, you know, more 232 or in the old, well, in the old days, you can still do it with the Crestron uh, Pro uh, Pro 3 and AV3. The, the card slots you could do, you, if you needed, you know, three more, uh, RG, uh, three more 232 ports you just buy a card and slapped it in that was the, that's their modular version of that um, I'm seeing where it they're starting with a network centric piece and then if you need physical connections that like the 232 and, and or relay what have you that's what they're they're modularizing I guess so. can I throw in one quick sure. point that kind of all really it, it kind of keyed in on what I was just thinking is that this a lot of what we're seeing is based on the existing business models that we've had in the custom installation industry for 25 years. And so one of the dangers, you know, and again, I'm right in the heart of the Silicon Valley. So, I mean, you can go to any, you know, you can go into, into any office building. There's somebody pitching something new in terms of the technology and, and, and the hotbed in terms of the innovation. And I think what it is creating is an opportunity. Um, 
I think personally, I mean, I still make my living on the bespoke industry. There's always going to be that purpose-built industry. Somebody's looking for a facilitator to guide them through the technology means, like Paul was saying. You know, the, they don't want the 15 different apps, and, and and that's something that you know just doesn't work for them. You know, they're they they have a completely different focus, and there's somebody who comes in, and so the responsibility of the the integrator and the you know, especially on the on the resi side, is that shift towards being a technologist. There's also a completely different segment of humanity that doesn't know that this industry exists. These are the people who go up into a web browser and just type automation or <laughs> IoT or something. And so these are the pe th this is a market segment that purchased a hundred million mobile devices last quarter, right? They aren't necessarily the ones who bought, you know, again, I mean, you've got some of these smaller companies who are doing three billion in annual sales. That's almost more than our industry when you add it all together. So it, it's a it's a two pronged approach that's going on, and I think and and, and software is going to eat the world. I think what we what we are seeing is that there is a an ability for these manufacturers to say we have purpose purpose driven solutions. We're making them affordable. We're trying to approach a market that we haven't tapped into before, and and, and most of it's been due to the time frame or the expertise necessary from the dealer network. So, um, you know, this is just one of the early steps that we're going to see. Within the next few years, we will see. You know, uh, you know. Again, it's it's anything else that's going down the line is we are not we are an IT driven world. We are an IP driven world, and as those legacy devices get phased out more and more, there will be this acceleration towards software development, and then picking and choosing the different parts. Some parts work better than others with one another. Some of them play better than with uh, with one another. And so companies like Crestron Control for um, you know, Claire, all of these companies, you know, they're the ones that are, you know, kind of hanging their butts out over the edge right now saying, you know what, somebody's got to do it. Um, and so, I mean, if anything, I applaud them for it because it is going after a completely different market that the CI may not get to, but at least it's educating that market. So they may seek them out as their tastes become more refined. You keep saying the software is going to take over the world and eventually it'll be true. Eventually. Eventually. We all may be so, dead. But... All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, one last comment. One yeah, last sure. comment, on that, real quick, uh, before we move on to the next thing. So, so to echo Rich, you know, that's one of the things that we're we're certainly looking at is that you do have this undercurrent of uh, of the the economy that's looking at these solutions and going, you know, what I, a point solution's fine. That's all I wanted. I wanted a sprinkler app. I wanted a door app, and I wanted to control a couple of lights. And I've got three apps, and I'm fine, and everything's good for me. And we certainly want to be paying attention to that, but we, as manufacturers, have had to be very cautious because so far the road's been paved with victims that have uh, tried to enter in, into kind of that DIY space and, and have been punished uh, severely by it. You take a look at Wink and some of the others that have been out there. Um, but I, it's a matter of time. I'm, I'm with you, Rich. I think it's a matter of time before that market develops into something. It's going to take some education. I think it's going to take some companies that, that uh, find the right uh, mix um, in there to maybe be able to bring those things together. But I, I do think it's there's a world where that where that starts to coalesce, where we have this this higher end solution systems, um, and then you've got the kind of the lower end stuff that's coming up from that I IoT and the DIY guys that come up through that. It's it's a matter of time. I don't think it's it's there and matured yet, but it is coming. Uncle Richie, he says you're right. Just gonna put that out there. All right, some uh, some actually horrible news, absolutely horrible news, and God love Julie for posting it on my Facebook feed the other day. 
Bad news for movie servers. Uh, Slifesoft is killing any DVD and, and any DVD HD. Quote, unquote, due to recent regulatory requirements, we have had to cease all activities relating to Slysoft Inc. We wish to thank our loyal customers and clients for their patronage over the years. Now, if you're not familiar with any DVD, um, this is not a commercial because, well, they don't exist anymore. <laughs> it was a cool little platform, right? You, you, you opened up the, the software, you put your DVD in, in the computer, and you got to rip it. And, and they made several, you, you could make several different types of files out of your DVDs, right? Um, they had different functions where you could eliminate all the menus and just put the movie on there. You could strip away the different languages, so you made this, the disc smaller. It was actually pretty cool. Um, yeah, so the, uh, the the movie industry has once again striked after uh, after they, they nailed Kaleidoscape, uh, and now they've gone after these guys. Uh, Rich, is there a point here where we are going to be able to do, um, I don't know, what all three of us, four of us have done in the past where made copies of, of you know, tapes for crying out loud 100 years ago? Oh, bootleg tape. Well, uh, the first thing that I got to say is, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, any DVD has has left us, but long, long live Red Fox. Uh, Red, Fox Red Box? Red Fox. Oh, Red Fox. Red Fox, um, a couple of days ago, ironically enough, seems to have the Red Fox logo with any DVD on it. Really? And currently their forum site is up right now, bringing up information about any DVD software with the promise that within the next few weeks, any DVD will be returning in a different format headquartered out of Belize. So, okay. The Fox, the Fox has a, the Fox has a headband on him though. He's got, uh, <laughs> he's got a, ba a bandit stripe across his, his, uh, his well, eyes. See, and, and here's the problem. He says red Fox and I think of Sanford and son, but go ahead. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Oh boy, about this. Um, I have never been a fan of technology that has been managed by uh, attorneys in litigation. Amen, brother. Um, with that said, um, you know there there is always going to be a fringe of the technology consumer that feels that uh, you know, and I I can't even say rightfully so or rightfully not that you know they bought it, it's theirs. You know, they own it. What they do with it is their own. Um, you know, I mean, it, the, the the movie industry itself is as after one thing to protect itself. Um, and is it consumer friendly? No, not really. It's movie industry friendly. Um, so, is there ever going to be a partnership in terms of technology that will um, allow it to be as 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 friendly and as easy to use? When somebody grabs their media in whatever format it is to to use it the, the way they see fit, and no, they can't. I mean, you know, we're seeing a little bit more in terms of digital rights management and 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 the encryption methods that at least it makes it a little less painful that when you acquire the the content, you can move it from one device over to the other. I mean, in the old days, um, you know, any DVD was was your only option or a thirty thousand dollar Kaleidoscape player. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was there was nothing in between at that point. There was a couple of companies who would try. There was, you know, one company, you know, but the other one was a physical media company. You had um, Eshin, you know, had their huge DVD changer system, which I had forever. You know, I mean, we had 1,200 DVDs um, sitting Good in Lord. changers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, and, and it was great. It was great, you know. I mean, it was when it finally died. You know, it was a, it was a sad day in our household because <laughs> we had to switch everything over and move move to that content. But you know, now with Ultraviolet, now with you know with with Apple and all of these different formats and the streaming formats and the ability to share content, you know, it's less of it's less of an impact than it used to be. Um, you know, before when you tried to get the DVD that you purchased and you were going to get it onto your tablet or take it with you. You didn't have bandwidth. You know, you didn't have the pipes to be able to do it. Um, it's like anything else. It's the passing of an era. You know, yeah. I, I, I uh, you know, I mean, they went through, you know, they came out with the first Blu-ray. Um, yeah, ripping software. What would be the word? Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. Since they don't exist anymore. Yes, they were Blu-ray ripping software. Um, <laughs> <laughs> format exchangers. So, uh, you know, I think it's, Five, six, seven years ago, it was much bigger news. It would have been much bigger news than it is now. And I think that um, definitely piracy is is not nearly as much of an issue anymore because people just don't want to be bothered with it. Um, I mean, the act of converting a DVD to a digital file is not fun. And it, unless you've got something that's doing it for you. Um, but I have very fond memories of that little red fox and seeing getting an update like every four hours about the software. So. Yeah. All right, uh, Paul. We'll, we'll start with you, and we'll end with uh, with with Julie on here. How big of a deal is this? I, I'll echo Rich. I, I, if we had gone back five years ago, it would have been a big deal because that's where what most people were doing. They they had big NAS drives in their homes. They would purchase movies, hopefully legally, not from the red box, um, and then uh, ripping them and putting them on the uh, on the media on their uh, on their uh, drive, and then being able to to watch those movies. Um, more and more content's moved to the web. Um, it's in fact, if I if I talk to a hundred people, I've talked to a thousand. That you know, it's been a long time since a lot of, many of those people have purchased a Blu-ray or a DVD um, because they just they go out to iTunes, they go out to Netflix, and they they Hulu wherever it may be, and they get the content whenever they want it, wherever they want it, and that's that's changed significantly. Um, I will. I will say though, you know that that undercurrent, you know, he's, as as Rich was mentioning, Red Fox popped up, and you know that was that got a lot of attention real quickly. And and I'm confident. The, the reality is, as much as the motion picture industry tries to throttle that, the more they actually entice us an undercurrent to occur, is that you have the anti-establishment folks that are out there and they're like, well, I'm going to find a way to make this happen, and someone will find a way. There's always going to be a way yep. for you to take content that you get, I won't say obvious, but at least for the foreseeable future, take content that's located on a Blu-ray disc that you purchased, bring it home, and find some piece of software or some piece of hardware somewhere that somebody's going to create that allows you to take that content and put it on another device. It's it's the reality. Um, the legalities of that are you know not of question, because I think that that's already been established, but that's the reality. Um, but much much less of a deal now than it was, you know, five years ago, for sure. Yeah. All right, Ms. Jacobson, we'll we'll end with you on this one. How uh, wh where do we go from here with with the demise of Sly Sly Fox, Sly well, Soft? I, I think it's a big deal. Um, you know, previously all those offshore software piracy types of companies were off limits, and now there's ways to pressure them. I know. The, the groups that shut down uh, any DVD were going to the, uh, the credit companies like PayPal and popular credit card companies and other payment schemes and asking them or telling them not to accept payments for these types of products. So one thing we did learn about this event 
is that these offshore software companies companies are not pervious are not impervious to these types of actions. Now they're going to uh, now they're going after uh, DVD Fab, which is in China, which is harder to get to, but it, there are some indications that they will be able to shut that that down. And the fact is that most movie servers in our channel are using or encouraging dealers and consumers to use any DVD or similar services. Now, on, in the bigger picture, it's pathetic because com these companies want to work with Hollywood. They, yeah. you know, as uh, uh, I don't know if it was Fusion Research or one of the other server manufacturers I talked to, they want to give money to these uh, content owners and there's no mechanism for them to do that. And it's, it's just stupid. It's, it's, it's egocentric, I think, on the part of the Hollywood. Well, and they probably, it's probably a bottom line thing where they think that they can make more money selling the digital downloads and the, the DVDs and this and the other. One, one thing real quickly on that, um, a number the only DVDs I honestly buy anymore for my kids, right? And we've gotten to the point where, if I'm buying one, I buy one that has the Blu-ray, that has the traditional uh, standard definition, and comes with some sort of download, right? That those are the ones I actively seek out, whether that's a Marvel movie or a, a Disney movie. I think Disney was the first time, the first ones I ever saw doing this, where they will give you a coupon, and I can be used for either iTunes, and now Disney has their own download store, and it, it, it at least, at least, it. it it helps you feel better. It helps you not feel like a pirate as you're going, okay, now I have three copies of, the, of this movie. That's exactly what I need, right? I need a Blu-ray. I need a standard def, and I need, um, you know, I need to be able to get it on, on some device somewhere. So, all righty. Uh, last story here, and it's not really a, you know, you guys can comment if you want, if you know Justin. Uh, but Mr., uh, a good buddy of ours, uh, Justin Kennington has moved uh, from Crestron DM, and he's moved over to Aptovision. Uh, after provisions uh, Blue River uh, AV over IP technology. And if you're not familiar with this, you will be very shortly uh, because one of the things that Aptivision uh, is doing and is, is claiming is that they can get a full, relatively uncompressed uh, 4K signal uh, lower than uh, on a pipe that's smaller than 10 gigs. Uh, I say l relatively uncompressed. There's some interesting things they do with the information that they cut out, and then they do a small amount of compression to get it down to about 9 gigs, I think. If you're not familiar with that, it's important. An uncompressed 4K is actually 17 gigs, so they're cutting, they're cutting a good eight gigs out of that uh, to get it down. So good for him. And as luck would have it, uh, actually he'll be on on AV Week this Friday. So I think it's a good move. Good for him. So well, I I think it's I think it's something important to watch because HD Base T is having difficulty with a solution that'll uh, that'll do 4K. Sorry? That'll do 4K? That'll do 4K, certainly with a single cable. Yeah. Uh, we don't see that happening. Um, we did see uh, uh, at least one solution at ISC uh, for getting a complete 4K 60, you know, 444 over two cables. Um, but I think we're going to start seeing some new companies and new technologies jockeying to replace HD base T definitely interesting to watch. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's, this is a, an early shot across the bow that our traditional and somewhat newer video transmission technologies are living on borrowed time. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's interesting that that we can refer to HD based T as traditional at this point. You know, um, I believe it's the, the acceleration of tech. But I mean, yeah. again, it's 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 what we've talked about is that there was a significant period of time where the AV industry was 15 years behind the tech industry, and that gap because of IT, because of of um, IP based technologies, that gap is starting to narrow, and I'm sure that uh, the major manufacturers as well as up and comers are. If they're not, they're going to be out of business very quickly if they don't go, hey, we this newfangled IP stuff, maybe we ought to take a look at it. Yeah. yeah. Speaking to, you know, speaking to the guy who ran his house uh, along with fiber and everything else with a f- mini RGB cables throughout his entire house. Why did you do that? Because at the time, we were oh, still, yeah, we still yeah, had yeah. analog video switching systems. All right. I'm but there's fiber. I, but, but there's fiber. It's probably multi-mode, though, or single-mode, though. Both. Both, of course, they was. All right, that's going to do it for us. Ms. <laughs> Jacobson, three thank miles of transmission I know. Ms. Jacobson, thank you so much, ma'am. I always appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. How can people find you or CE Pro? Um, I'm at jjacobson at ehpub.com. Uh, visit CE Pro at cepro.com. Uh, we've got a webinar coming up this Wednesday on best practices for networking mm. smart home. And then a week or two after that, I'm doing the big uh, ISC security show uh, preview with trends in security and home automation. Very cool. Very apropos, actually, uh, based on some some things we've had happen the last couple months. So, all right. Mr. Paul, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks. Uh, Pleasure to be here. Um, how can people get a hold of you? So I can be reached at pwilliams at control4.com. And if they want to learn more about Control 4, it's just Control4.com. All right. Very good. Control4.com. And last but not least, Mr. Fragoza. Thank you, brother. Oh, hey. My pleasure. And I'm glad to have some time in real space with you. Yes. R. Fragoza as at R. Fragoza. Not everybody watches Rich, so you have to, you know. <laughs> I'm going to point. Yes, exactly. R. Fragoza <laughs> is his Twitter, and he told me on Friday that he's going to update his, his website sometime this year. Yes, considering, yeah. Uh, well, that'll be the source of another show about how I wrote about how you kill your social media presence, and then I wound up doing the exact same things that cause it. Yeah. So, <laughs> but you can find me there or type in my name to any of the Googles or searches, and all kinds of different things show up along with uh, stuff that I've done for my boss here at CEPro.com and yep. also Electronic House uh, as of oh, recently and uh, also uh, State of Control next yes. episode coming soon. Sometime. Sometime soon. Yeah. Green Black got married and got all crazy. So. Yeah, we're doing something called working. Yeah, <laughs> there's that too. So. That darn work thing. It does get in the way. Um my name is Tim Albright. Don't follow me, but go by the website if you would please, avnation.tv. avnation.tv, you'll find this program and a host of others. Uh, we have a brand new ed tech coming up. That's our education-focused show. And I miss, as I mentioned earlier, Justin will be on our, our weekly uh, commercial show called AV Week. That happens on Fridays at, uh, at this very time. So avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been Resi Week. <laughs> <laughs>